1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com.
2: Live from Las Vegas, sports talk, hot takes, and all of the bangers, Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez, the playmakers.
3: Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. What a hump day it is.
4: Howdy. 323. 22.
3: No, it's 323. It's the 23rd of March.
4: Oh, no, I meant like the year.
3: Yeah. Well, if you were reading reading the date your way, but I was reading the date my way, and uh, 323 of the year, who really cares? That's like the horizon. You walk towards the horizon, but it's uh, not exactly like the most specific thing ever. It's just the general direction, and it's kind of the theme uh, our general theme of the show. There's a lot of general themes of the show. Uh, regardless, we try to manifest whatever energy that we have, whatever problems we have, things that are sticking in our in our brain, hyperfixations. We bring them here along with the sports, but uh, the other things is what truly makes up the spirit and the overall breadth of this show. It is very, very busy today, though, Adrian. We have friends joining us.
4: Even even like some very personal friends for you and in, in the hockey world, correct?
3: Well yeah, I mean I've never met Travis personally, but we have had him on the program previously and it's been a while since we talked to him last, but considering we just got resolution in the Evgeny Dadonov trade that was nullified by the league, I think we all could have seen that coming. Uh we all see how we could have avoided this. And I just kind of want to talk to Travis about the implications because it's not just, you know, within the Golden Knights locker room or the Ducks or the Ottawa Senators. There's going to be a revisitation point, and there are certainly consequences uh, that will reverberate going forward. And so just between that and general thoughts about the trade deadline and, and this home stretch of the season, we'll get into all of that with Travis Yost. On the other side of the break live, he will be joining us uh, from Canada, I think. I'm not from really Canada. sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure if he's in Canada or not because he has a completely blank Twitter bio. And so uh, we're going to find out exactly what he's doing with all the spare time, other than, you know, lamenting about the hockey world and all its missed opportunities and extra busy work that it doesn't need to get into. But, you know, what we do need to get into is the backbone of the governor of Utah. We're going to be talking about Spencer Cox today, who. Uh, I think made a really important statement where well, we're going to ta- bring at least a part portion of that statement to you all on our show today when it comes to uh, trans sports and trans rights. And it seems to be a hot button issue these days. And it seems like we're we're trying to put up more and more speed bumps for people that don't need it in their life. Yeah, 100%. And so I think in spirit of what Governor Cox had to say yesterday in his uh, statement, I think is worth visiting on this program. Uh, We're going to be talking about dislodging diamonds in the second hour to start things off because uh, I'm not sure if everyone heard Tyreek Hill has been traded.
4: Another NFL trade.
3: Big NFL trade. <laughs> last two weeks have been absolutely ridiculous.
4: Yeah, NBA free agency vibes with the NFL. I love it.
3: Yeah, it's it's been great. You're not really going to know who any of your favorite or secondary favorite players uh, are, are going to be next year. We're at least going to have to rewrite some of our brain wiring to do that. But if he's not untouchable, well, then nobody truly is. And so we're going to see if there's some other receivers that may want a change of scenery, perhaps an extension that can only be found somewhere else or I don't know we're gonna we're gonna see what really gets into it because after that we have our normal Wednesday visit with Trista Crick from the bet MGM tonight crew basketball. that is what we always talk. That is the 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 rabbit hole we always explore. I, I was kind of surprised she was thrown by our one question about the about the bracket. But you know what? Yeah,
4: because well, we we got knee-deep into the NBA as we yes. are approaching uh, the NBA playoffs. But yes, yeah, no and we talked so
3: much college basketball on this program, I and mean, we had to make some room for the professionals. No,
4: of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're like modern-day Jay Billis is around here. Yeah,
3: so. yeah absolutely we are. Uh, and I'm not really sure what we're going to be doing for the last segment of the show. That's all right, because we usually find something interesting to talk about, to entertain about, or to just stick in your craw. But two-hour edition, as it. Almost always is, but baseball season is around the corner, so maybe we'll be a little bit more infrequent on the actual frequency here, but don't worry. The can opener will always be around. If we're on the digital stream, on the radio, whatever, it's time. It is here.
1: It's time for the can
2: opener.
3: I feel good. Time to stretch something out a little bit, or at least maybe pick up where we left off yesterday because I don't want to say like it was doom and gloomish, but it's been a lot of revisitation a lot of self-reflection in the last week or so in the world of sports and I think at this point as someone who has a lot of different subjects that I like like sports is just one of my hyper fixations or emotional or not emotional informational treasure troves that I have access to but I like to dabble in other things like I don't know philosophical arguments, just random stuff because that's Catholicism. Is, yeah, religious studies, sure. I mean, but that stuff is like literally more digestible to me than, than the actual real world stuff is. So I was reading uh, some stuff on Reddit earlier today and they forwarded me to some writing about or uh, from a throwback philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. I know I'm butchering that name, but he is pretty much the the first guy, the first uh, philosopher to really explore existentialism. And so I'm like, in a way, I feel like all of these negative uh, vibes that we're getting from the world of sports, all of these stories paired with just what's going on generally in the world and all the stress that we're going through and all of that. Maybe we're going, maybe we, and by we, I mean me, Maybe I'm going through like a little existential crisis of sorts. And in addition to be inspired by, by that general philosophy and just concept, we also have news coming down last night that going out on top, truly number one tennis player in the world on the women's side, Ash Barty uh, from Australia announced That she is retiring at the age of 25, Adrian, uh, just less than two months after winning her third Grand Slam singles title, which was the Australian Open. This isn't the first time that she's actually retired. She took some time off, I think five or six years ago, because when it comes to tennis, when it comes to golf, when it comes to kind of those, another lack of a better term, those rich bitch sports, you have to go all in from a very young age. And it's just you on an island. And she was really burnt out. And so she took a break. I think she went and played for, like, the rugby team because she's an athlete. And then ended up returning back to tennis after a year, year and a half later. But Barty says that it's time to chase other dreams. And that she no longer feels compelled to do what she knows is required to be the best she can at tennis. And everybody's saying, oh, 25, retiring so early, it's such a surprise.
4: My dad's like, what?
3: 20 years ago, if you made it to 25, it was... Uh, a feat to be celebrated like if you were it was almost like how we see kind of the life cycle for gymnasts these days like Allie Raceman, when she was included in that and for her for her second rotation on the Olympic team it was kind of a shock because she was I think in her 20s at that point like that's we say that's geriatric in that world but it's not but in our modern sports world given the context that we live in given Ash Barty and the comparison that she will that she always had with with Serena Williams because she would just directly compete against her with, with Roger Federer because he's on the men's side. That Some of the most prolific, successful names in tennis are rewriting the book on longevity. We're kind of doing that in all sports, but it truly really started with tennis because it was sh- such a short shelf life to begin with, and it's where we've seen the, the, the quickest and the most applicable change because it started with Roger. Now you see seen a Now you see Murray. Now you see everybody making these changes. And like I said, when you play in the rich bitch sports, that means you have those, those monies and those avenues directed to that talent. It's a lot quicker, a lot less red tape, a lot less, uh, a lot fewer people to go through. And I was just thinking with all that, like in, in your mind, it must seem wrong for, for some people or feel wrong For someone like Ash Barty, or maybe it's Naomi Osaka, or maybe it's Simone Biles, maybe it's Harry Miller. All of these names I would put at the forefront of conversation starters when it comes to mental health, high-level athletics, and being in the spotlight. Like, when you you say, I'm done, I'm good, and and you're quote-unquote leaving stuff on the table. In other people's eyes, like, what that truly takes to get to that point and then, what is necessary to conjure up from yourself to make that decision for you? Because Ash Barty could continue to play. There's plenty of people that I think reach this. Maybe it's like a quarter-life crisis. Maybe it's just kind of that that first moment where you're like, maybe I'm not on the right path, and they choose to stay on it because it's lack of opportunity, lack of imagination, whatever. It's just easier. There's a lot of reasons to just keep doing what. Yeah, you're it's doing. what they
4: know. So they're exactly, can at least coast.
3: But and and just what the pressure must feel like to want to be the best to the greatest. Like that is that unrelenting energy that is pounded into you, no matter what sport you're trying to excel at and calling your own boundary, like boundaries are just, I I think something we're starting to explore as a society, or at least our understanding of it. I'm not saying that it didn't exist before, but now we're, I think making it uh, digestible for the public and, and therefore more easily usable and I think it's a lot to do with decisions like this from from people like this because they have everything going for them on the surface but that's just surface level it Ash Barty's not a sad story if anything it's it's a it's a triumph over that hyper capitalist that hyper results driven mindset that actually Soren Kierkegaard talked about in a lot of his writings that's a lot about what existentialism is is that loss of passion or or just the searching for it because either the expectations of the world the uh, the um focus on results like basically worrying about all the wrong things you just feel very disjointed from your reality from your body from your existence like it's easy to get into that space and like i said it's easy to keep going down the path that you are but to see Ash Barty, to see Harry Miller on the Today Show earlier this week, and um, obviously we drew attention to his story as it was coming out just a couple of weeks ago, like it's this is the stuff that saves lives, straight up. Because not everybody's going to get to that point where Ash Barty is, where you're a pro tennis player, but plenty of people have that expectation of themselves and will push themselves in the, in the same way. That these pros do, and there's nothing truly wrong with that, unless it's becoming a detriment to your life, unless you have something misguided, because there's there's uh, being productive, and then there's busy work, and then there's the concept of rest, which is also something we're just becoming familiar with. But I I just think we there's probably so much of a of a tension point, or a lot of our tension point right now is dealing with this societal norm change. Because so many people are going through these existential crises because they don't feel good. They see what's happening around them in the world. Maybe stuff in their life is going well. Maybe they they're winning championships, but it doesn't feel good. Why is that? What's so wrong with me? I mean, I struggle with these feelings all the time. This is my dream job, Adrian. Like, I had this in my mind as a child. I'm like, sports radio, you can do this. And I wasn't always, like, going head first towards that dream with a full head of steam. But it was always that horizon point for me. And then when I needed a full head of steam or at least something to to put forth that energy to, I already had the perfect path. But then when you get here and you realize what the grind it is and that all jobs, no matter if they're dream or not, have good days and bad days, have crappy things going on, red tape you don't want to deal with, and how your resiliency can be crushed by either your own expectations to succeed or at a certain rate or just by the general BS in the environment. And so... Like, I'm not saying I'm going to retire from sports radio tomorrow, obviously, but it just gives it gives you pause when you see people that are willing to burn their former selves to the ground in hopes of finding the next one. And that's not always guaranteed. It could be a mistake. You could make the wrong choice. That's why we get stuck in the existential crisis. There's too many choices. Everything's wrong. And even if it's wrong, it's right. I mean, is right wrong? Does that even matter?
4: And the risk is more amplified in the yeah, circumstance of the world.
3: Exactly. And it, it's not every day that you're choosing which, which uh, size of Cocoa Pebbles you need to buy. Sometimes you're, you're making the big life choices. Yeah. And so the, the shying away from choices is something that I've certainly struggled with in my life for, for a multitude of reasons. But most recently, I think it has a lot to do with similar feelings that, that we're talking about here, which is, this is existentialism, when you just see there's so much around you that it's hard not to be swallowed up in the insignificance and significance and just the definition of both of those things.
4: And the one thing that makes me happy is, you know, when you talk about these individual sports and first things that come to mind are the Williams sisters and Tiger Mm -hmm. and seeing the documentary and how just in general being an athlete to a certain point, especially as you become a professional Mm -hmm. and you grind to be the best, that it's so obsessive. And when your parents are around you in these eventual sports, which we see often, mm-hmm. that they can, the way that they shape the reality where you you brought it up in terms of reality, where some of these people, they might not even know that this is an option because they're so caught up. They might not in what have gone to doing. school,
3: they could have just been tutored the whole yeah, time. Yeah,
4: exactly. And they think that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so awesome that in this time, not even with just athletes, where because of the circumstance and because of the world, there's so many people now that are that have switched industries that they've been in their whole lives mm-hmm. or like, hey, what do I have to do? We talked to Amy Gutierrez, who's been a reporter, and she's like, oh now, now I gotta start a podcast and I should should I be on Twitch and all these different avenues mm-hmm. and exploring. And this kind of to me, it's a happy story to be like, hey, whether you're at the top or you're struggling, like you can make these leaps and you can do things mm-hmm. that you deem are the best that some people might look all the time. Athletes, you get paid millions of dollars. Why can't you make that free throw, Shaq? Why can't you just practice for seven hours? Like, well, no, and we the assume freedom, that they
3: love it too. Like yeah. we also have to mention, like when you when you say you talk about the individual sports, you mentioned the Williams sisters and and Tiger and stuff. We also have to realize that there's there's nuance and shades to this too because. Uh, Seeking out professional tennis as a professional avenue for the Williams sisters, I feel like, is a much different proposition and intention than it was for, like, Maria Sharapova, right? Yeah. It's just like, if if <laughs> there were, like, no black tennis players, and this was a huge avenue to success for them, and, and the, the Patriarch Williams saw this, manifested it, and he knew the impact, that just the symbolism of what his daughters would mean. But just think of what being made to be a symbol at such a young age. What that does to you too. Of just like like that separation of my identity as a as a as an athlete or as a product versus who I am. Who do you love more? Who do who who's more worthy? Who should I be giving more credence to? Who should I be making decisions for? Like that's why when I see like the documentary series that Naomi Osaka released last year during her time through the Olympics and stuff when she was taking a step away due to mental health and how she spoke about obligation that she felt because she, she said straight up, if I wasn't playing tennis at this level, my family would have no money. Like what What that pressure does to someone like at such a young age. And trust me, there's plenty of uh, families that have had to rely on breadwinners from their children at, at, for, for generations, for years, for thousands of years. But we've never had it where there's this much attention on you, where there's this much expected of you, where, where your attention's being um, drawn in so many different ways like there's a reason why Harry Miller is speaking out and there's a reason why he's using examples like like the Stanford goalkeeper last month who passed away who took her own life. Like we're we're seeing this uptick from people that are realizing that maybe the fantasies aren't what they're all cracked up to be. And and we're doing it at an early age because we're 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 so focused, we're so driven to results. Like disappointment is inevitable in life, right? And you're gonna you're gonna experience it at every age and in some other context. But sometimes you you cut out a boulder that's a little bit too big for your cart. And sometimes you don't even have that choice. And that's where I think you're seeing the choice be taken back. I'm 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 through with this. I'm done. I'm good. Your expectations, your your drive to be the best. I don't feel that. I I don't I don't need to play that part anymore.
4: Or that I want more. Yeah. I conquered this. That's what I mean. Exactly. Let me me move to the next avenue, too. So, yeah, no, it's it's super important. And it's it's awesome to see man. at 25 years old and to to have that ambition to have more or not even necessarily to have more, but just be like, hey, I've had enough. I've I've crossed this path
3: enough. Yeah. I've had
4: enough. I've crossed this path or Mm -hmm. I respect and I love this sport so much that in my heart. I can't half-ass this situation. If I can't give it my all, mm-hmm. I'm going to step away, which to me personally that's happened, and, and it's not just sports. Like there's there's a lot of things that you it, – it's kind of like how you're describing like in how viewing sports and getting competitive and being, oh, this isn't what it turned out to be. It's like meeting your hero and he turns out yeah. to be a trash person. It's that same philosophy. And yeah. that acknowledgement and, and just with, with Simone, with Harry – Uh, With Ash being so young, it's a good message to people because people are going through a lot of things and being like, yo, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Whether from a professional athlete to a waiter right now dealing with people being rude and not giving them enough tips and just treating them like their dogs when they're just trying to do their job and make as much money for their family and giving them the strength to be like, look, if she can do that, if he can do that and drop it and all that opportunity, I can too. Yeah.
3: It's knowing when it's the right time to walk away. And it is absolutely the right time for us to do that because we have to get Travis Yost on the line. We have so much to explain to ourselves when it comes to this Golden Knights of Genny Dodonoff situation. Let's get right to it.
5: This is Jim Rome with an Odyssey Sports Minute. Golden State playing without Steph Curry started a road trip and a game they had to have against Orlando, and they end up getting beaten 94-90. to 90. Draymond Green cut right to the chase. I
4: think we're playing soft. Uh, we're playing stupid, and we're getting punked.
5: We are getting punked. We are playing soft. We are playing stupid. And you know what? Big dude is not wrong. I'm Jim Rome. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? there is a tremendous price war in the term life industry rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years for example a man aged forty five non-smoker can get one million dollars of coverage for seventy five dollars per month level rate for ten years or a man aged fifty non-smoker can obtain five hundred thousand dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of one hundred ten dollars level rate for twenty years that's right guaranteed level rate for twenty years If you're a smoker, we have great rates available for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote. 1-800-908-7636 You're probably paying more than you should. Call 1-800- 908-7636 Remember, 1-800-908-7636 Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker rate class. Exam required to qualify. Yo,
4: it's Adrian Hernandez from the Playmakers. And listen up, business owners. Are you feeling boxed in by the pressure of running your business, managing remote workforces, keeping up with changing regulations and HR compliance, hiring and retaining top talent, handling payroll? The list goes on. There's a limit to what you can do to keep employees engaged while running your business smoothly. Fortunately, there's insperity. They put 30-plus years of HR experience to work to help you develop a people strategy that supports your business strategy, focusing on the health of your organization. What if your HR strategy included access to better benefits to help you keep the employees you have and attract new ones? What if it also offered training for your employees to increase their skills so they become more productive? There will always be challenges to face in business. And no matter where they come from, Insparity is ready to help you move past them by providing the HR solutions you need. With Insparity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. Philly Chevrolet has
2: new extended weekday service, parts, and sales hours from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m.
5: place to
0: buy oh Woo! Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. Hey, Jan. Say, is now a good time for a new Toyota? You bet it is. Now through April 4th is the perfect time to shop for a RAV4, Tundra, Tacoma, Corolla, and more. Imagine yourself in a RAV4. Where would you go first? Skinny Al's Barbecue. <gasps> I'm imagining you inviting me. Ready, set, go
2: get your Toyota today. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary.
6: I miss
0: seeing Kiara here at the park. With her adorable little puppy.
4: Kiara is always the friendliest coworker. I miss having her around. I wish Miss Kiera was here. She always made learning math
1: fun. When someone is struggling, they often distance themselves from others. If you or someone you know needs help, visit Project.com to navigate to resources or connect with the Resilience Ambassador. You are not alone. This message funded by a grant through the Nevada
2: Department of Health and Human Services aired in cooperation with the Nevada Broadcasters Association and this station.
1: Hi, I'm Greg with Go Auto Insurance Company. Buying car insurance can be confusing and expensive every company claiming to save you money. So how can you save money? When you buy a policy from Go Auto, you're buying directly from the company with no middleman, no commissioned agents, and we pass those savings on to you. It's just that simple. You pick the payment date, so you get a lower down payment and lower monthly payments. When you call Go Auto, our agents explain all the coverages to you. Then you choose only the coverages you want, no expensive add-ons. To get a free quote, simply call 833-700-0000 or 833-7MILLION. Start your policy immediately by phone, visiting a store, or going to GoAutoInsurance.com. Call 833-700-0000 and start saving today.
0: Go! Go! Go Auto!
3: Go! Go!
0: Go Auto!
2: It's tournament time and the action is heating up. Make sure your picks aren't ice cold. The BetQL app is here to help you make smarter bets. From the first round through the finals, BetQL's model runs thousands of simulations to find you the most profitable betting opportunities for each game. With BetQL's proven data and expert analysis, you'll know which bets to make and which ones to skip. Download the free BetQL app today or visit betql.com to get started.
1: We're all on this planet together. So, join Odyssey and find your one thing. With warmer spring temperatures, hang your clothes to dry outside instead of using the dryer. Join Odyssey, and together, each of us doing one thing makes a greener tomorrow. What's your one thing?
2: Hockey news and opinion for Las Vegas on the go. Subscribe to the Nightcap Podcast free through the Odyssey app. Adrian Hernandez and Lindsey Brown. The Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 to Bet.
4: Well, apparently, the trade dispute involving the Golden Knights has been rectified, but we're still going to need some clarification. So I'm going to step aside and let Lindsay mm. and our special guest, Travis Yost, get down to the nitty-gritty. But first, I remind you that all insider calls are powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download your BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com.
3: Travis Yost, you are a hockey wizard of numbers and words, and you can absolutely use that description to fill that empty Twitter biospace if you want to, but we needed to have you on. Uh, it, probably the most important guest we've had on this show in quite a long time because we need to make sense of the latest Golden Knights' attempt at salary cap sorcery. Uh, where, where do we stand at this juncture? Who is to blame, and is there a comparable in your mind? They
2: either need to make a trade Um, after the trade deadline, which is allowable. But remember, none of those players moved after the deadline can play for Vegas. So um, the price to move a player like Dadunov and his contract has went up, I'm sure, substantially for Vegas. Um, But really, I think more so, what's even more interesting than just the Vegas perspective is, to me, two things. One, how you even end up in this scenario. Correct. (laughs) I don't, I don't, for the life of me, you know, the NHL, in my, this is my opinion, the NHL has been very coy hiding behind reporters, giving them little drip, drip, drip information from this trade. And I think that's happening because the NHL looks horrible here. I mean, the reality is how this situation occurred, which is the million-dollar question everyone is asking, is the NHL Central Registry mm-hmm. does not register no trade list. So all of these trades that have been worked out with limited no-trade clauses, which, by the way, may or may not change on any given year, as they did in the case of Gemi Daninov, it's completely, apparently, incumbent on the teams operating the deal to understand not just who is on the no-trade list, but to also exchange that information. Now, we don't know if there are are contractual procedural ways to do this. We don't know if it's a norm within the league. But time and time again, the league's done it three times over the last three days. The league has insinuated that Ottawa did not give Vegas a current or a fresh version of the no trade list. And where I think that comes into play, to me, the NHL had to nullify the trade. I mean, Vegas could not have moved that play, could not have moved Adinov. It clearly injures his rights as a player and the union that, that they never would have let that trade go through. To me, the question now is number one, Does the NHL do anything on on an accommodating standpoint Um, on behalf of Vegas? That seems unlikely. On behalf of
3: the player, how about that, Travis?
2: He's going to be – he's in a weird spot too now, right? Because Vegas is saying, hey, we're welcoming back to the team and like, you know – I, so, some people could say, you know what, I've, it's a great opportunity. I'll play it out. And other people are like, you middle know what? fingers. interest in playing here. Double middle fingers. In that's
3: here. that's how I would roll because there's so many implications that you're starting to get into, Travis. That that go outside of the actual locker room dynamics. But at this point, just seeing what we see from the Golden Knights, how they treat players on the way out, not necessarily on the way in, or when they're when they're here, I, I'm starting to think if I'm a, if I'm a player about to enter free agency, or if I'm an agent, I'm thinking twice about signing there. Absolutely. And that's why I think
2: uh, I think the most interesting thing really longer term is what is the actual solution to this? Because it's clear the NHL's oversight failed. I mean, that that is something we also know. Right. You can put that in the fact again and again and and again. Dadanov is back. Yeah. Right next to Dadanov is still a golden knight. The other thing that I think is worth watching, the NHL has not been coy or shy about inferring through everyone else uh that ottawa may have botched it if that is the case i act i do wonder if there is going to be something punitive on the side of the ottawa senators now that may not benefit or affect vegas in any way i just can't for the life of me seeing the nhl holding the bag for something that they believe the ottawa senators and nhl affiliates screwed up so yes you have an oversight discussion number one but number two if an NHL affiliate actually deviated from an established process and injured another team, in this case, the Vegas Golden Knights, mm. we've seen not, maybe not with no trade list, but we've seen similar instances in this in which teams are fined or docked draft picks. So I am very curious now, not just what happens with Vegas and, and obviously everything going on there. There is there, the Ottawa Senators are not, are not removed from, from, from being potentially on the hook here either if, if what the NHL is inferring is correct, that they were the ones who got this ball rolling down the hill.
3: Well, and the correct hockey answer, too, here, Travis, is that everybody in the room is at fault. If you're pointing fingers, there's four of them coming right back at you. So I'm like, if I'm the Golden Knights, what stopped you from meeting with your players weeks out of the trade deadline just to run through with everyone? Even Mark Stone, do you have a trade de- a trade clause? Do you have a list of teams? Like, just to make sure. But I know that that's, like, above and beyond bare minimum, and every, we need to kind of adjust that. But I, I just... For, for a sport that preaches uh, attention to detail the grind all these things it's just so bothersome to see how the shield actually plays that out and how short they usually fall and for me the, the easiest way to rectify a lot of the the things that ail the nhl be that this situation be that how they handled the chicago blackhawks stuff uh it's new commissioner but i don't know if that's a a, a true thing that can exist in this reality right now so what is that for you
2: well, Lindsay, I'll tell you right now, I don't think I've ever agreed on something more in my life. And it, 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 on, on this very specific point, I love hockey. I mean, I love hockey. I think everyone who watches the NHL loves hockey. I, I really struggle to, to understand any argument of people suggesting this is a well-run league, because whether to your point, whether it was, at, I mean, Anaheim, Vegas, Ottawa, the NHL, the player, his agents, at the end of the day, you're only left with realizing that the NHL seems like it's ran like a a, a mom-and-pop deli. I mean, how on earth... And that's offensive to the delis, Travis. I I, I just... For the life of me, it does not make sense why you would not... A central entity like the NHL is the only logical place to house house information like no trade lists and things of that nature. And I saw some speculation that they don't want to do it because there's too much leaking out of the NHL Again, that is an NHL problem to fix. And I go back, there was a discussion I was, obviously I've been talking quite a bit about this the last few days. Someone made a really good point that I forgot about. Um, Gary Bettman had an a, a infamous quote about, I believe it was post-General Fanninger, pre-cap friendly era. Mm. And obviously this entire league runs off of public, you know, public websites made by hobbyists, You know whether it's stats, contracts, you name it. And Gary Bettman had a very fascinating quote, which is effectively, no one really cares. The public doesn't care. The fans don't really care about financials and contracts and salary cap information or anything of that ilk. That was a quote from Gary Bettman a few years back. I bring that up today because the only credible place that noted that Evgeny Dadanov did have a modified no-trade clause, although even they would be blind to that no-trade list, was cap-friendly a third-party website created and manufactured by hobbyists like myself Mm -hmm. and that i think this doesn't happen in the nfl this doesn't happen in the nba clearly there are very smart and talented people who care deeply about the league but for for effectively 15 years now at least in the modern era of stats in the modern era of really information the information era it's all been done in the public by hobbyists not by the nhl and I, to me, that, that, that is a perpetual black eye for the league because it's, 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 it's a self-defeating prophecy, right? The league cannot get out of their own way, and this is right. another example of them and their affiliates running into a wall.
3: Well, and you know that the departments for oversight exist, but like, how many people are actually in the department? How much money are they given? How overstretched are they? And we could say the same thing about just how uh, it works out on the ice when you're looking at, at trade deadline acquisitions, and you're you're a team that's a contender. You're not looking for the star piece to put you over the edge. You're looking for guys to help them do their uh, the dirty work, so the the stars of the team can get to their best game. So for you, just to kind of move away from the incompetence and maybe have some you know some good feelings about this entire. Entire league who's the most impactful bottom six acquisition this trade deadline and why
2: well our in colorado um i first off colorado is if they're not number one they're top three you know best well-run franchise in the nhl and yes it's easier to say that about colorado because they've been winning relentlessly but it's a feedback loop they only acquire talented players and guys who fit in their lineup and our Lekkinen. in um, I wrote a piece about him day before the trade deadline. I thought he was going to be one of the most undervalued players moved at the trade deadline. He is a extremely high end fourth line talent. Teams never score against him when he's on the ice. Any offensive upside is still offensive upside. I mean, there is a reason why he's in the bottom six. Doesn't have great. He's not a great individual shooter. But if you look at his career in Montreal the last few years, he's played with some of the most dismal offensive talent you could find. He's played on a really mediocre to subpar team. And his results have been sterling for years in Montreal. I think he's going to fit in like a glove in Montreal. I think they become even more hellacious to play against. And quite frankly, the NHL, you know, I, I know it's not as imbalanced maybe as the NFL right now between the AFC and NFC. But the majority of high-end teams, at least today, are sitting in the Eastern Conference. And Colorado is as situated well as anyone out west, especially with Vegas taking multiple steps back, especially in the second half of the year. Colorado is as well-situated as anyone to reach Stanley Cup, and I thought they had the best – quiet, low, you know, value, lower cost add uh, of anyone at the trade they
3: want. Yeah, there's no excuse. They can't even say the injury bug hit hit them the worst, because as you mentioned, that was the Golden Knights. They've just seen so much good play across so many layers and years. I'm glad to see that everything's coming together, and I hope that they're able to translate that, because I grew up an Abs fan uh, before the Wild showed up, but when we're talking about that that calendar flip, we've seen unbelievable regular seasons from Jakob Markstrom, from Freddie Anderson, from Igor Shesturkin, from Sergey Bobrovsky, all of them having unbelievable years but the postseason is a different animal and sometimes we see a complete personality shift be that because of their own play or maybe the team in front of them so who are you most nervous in that group that i just gave you
6: and
2: i i think your one two heart trophy candidates have by far the most pressure on their you know the most weight on their shoulders no one has more pressure to deliver in the postseason than austin matthews just because i and I, i i wrote about it this year this is the first year I think Toronto is a genuine Stanley Cup contender as well. I mean, they, they've had a very good team for years, but also a flawed team at times. This is the deepest team they've had. I, Austin Matthews is every bit, he, he's not hes not—he's not Conor McDavid, but he's every bit the second best player in the league. He may be the best goal scorer in the league, but the team still hasn't gotten out of the first round. I mean, we've been talking about this with the Maple Leafs for years. If, if, there, if ever was going to be a time to deliver this is the year for Austin Matthews, but I think Shosturkin's a great example too, because the majority of the reason why the Rangers have been able to really rebuild on the fly and really remain competitive throughout is, I mean, it, it's like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing. I mean, they go yeah. Henrik Lundqvist, to Igor Shosturkin. They've got they've got. It, it seems like they never have a bad backup goaltender either in New York. Um, he has he has arguably been, along with Austin Matthews, the most valuable player in the league this year. He's been absolutely sensational. A little cooler of late but i think the rangers if he is on his a a plus game like he's been the majority of the regular season the rangers are in that tampa toronto florida carolina mix mm. if 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 but if the rangers are getting a minus b plus goaltending we know they're a predominantly counterattacking team they're going to eventually lose on a on a volume basis in the playoffs so when I, from a goaltending perspective the weight is on his shoulders 10 over maybe not as much pressure because of how how much younger he is Um, Stepping into a newer role, you know, relative to a player like Matthews, who's got all the pressure on him. Um, But he will be one of the most impactful players in either direction uh, come, come playoff time.
3: You mentioned the Rangers expedited rebuild. I think in many ways that, that letter that they sent out to their fans, letting them know like, hey, we're selling off everyone that you hold near and dear. We're going to have better days ahead of us. That It kind of serves the hockey god. So it's it's a little bit quicker of a turnaround. You have a, a better feelings, better vibes around that locker room. And just considering all the drama that was going on last season, it's kind of surprising. But a team that's most poised to emerge out of the basement that would, re- would kind of hearken that, those same vibes that the Rangers did. The Ducks, the Red Wings, the Senators. The Devils or the Sharks? Which team are you picking?
2: Oh, it's not, that's not a murderer's row of options you're giving me there. Mm. Um, I, I have to say, I have to say though, Detroit has shown promise and progress, and we have to remember they are coming from like ground zero yeah. of the rebuild, and they got I, they goaltenders in the pipeline too. They have they completely gutted. Sebastian Casa, just like Ottawa did. Mm-hmm. But the difference between Detroit and Ottawa, and I actually think Ottawa has better high better high end talent. Josh Norris, Tim Stussel. I mean, these guys look outstanding in Chelsea. Ottawa. But but Ottawa has no money, and they have no they have no front office objective whatsoever. Detroit is ran by a person who has been a master, a master at building lineups, building rosters. I'm going to give that team way more latitude. They have taken a demonstrative step forward this year. The other thing about Detroit, too, that, that puts them in a little bit of a better situation um, than maybe a team like San Jose, they, their cap reality is night and day better. So, again, I can look at San Jose roster today and say easily better um, than what we see in, in, in Detroit right now. That, that's a no-brainer. But San Jose also has some seriously you know large and lengthy contracts still on the books. And, you know, a player like Eric Carlson is still fantastic. Like, you're not, you're not taking steps back because he's on the lineup. It does inhibit what you can do from a roster-building standpoint, though. I, I am and he looked good up,
3: earlier this year, Travis. I mean, it's always the question of whether or not he it can is. be in the lineup, but even the last couple of years when it was the first uh, uh, moments with the, that new contract, he just didn't look the same. But this year, I was like, oh, my God, he's stepping up into the play. He can actually skate again, and he's a threat.
2: The, the thing about Carlson, he just has to stay healthy, right? If he's mm-hmm. healthy, he's on the ice. He's the first-pairing defender. And whether he's worth $8 million or $10 million or $7 million in that year, you're not really – you're really, you know, squeezing money differences there. I, I do think, though – You brought up a really good point about the Rangers kind of front-running or guiding how they envision the rebuild going. I think that was really important in retrospect. It's easy to say now, but if you look at some of the most failed rebuilds, Edmonton, Buffalo, and increasingly Ottawa, even though there is talent in the lineup, they all have one common thing, multiple common things, but one thing sticks out. Uh, The goalposts perpetually moved Mm. further and further away as the rebuild struggled more and more. And that is the quickest way to burn out a fan base. That is the quickest way to burn out a media that covers your team. Yep. I think the Rangers built some equity back with, with the people who follow their team. They knew they'd stink for a little bit. They didn't stink as bad. They got a bunch of young talent. And you know what? They're really competitive, once again.
3: It matters how you treat people, especially in this game. And you always treat us well when you grace us with your presence and hockey knowledge. Thank you so much, Travis, for uh, for filling us all in.
2: Thank you, guys. Take care.
3: Always great to have Travis on. Uh, Travis Yossi used to write for TSN, be on the, on the TV. Like you said, he's kind of all over the place. He's one of those uh, just hockey legends that seems to be in the vein of everything that's going on without being attached. It's the truly the winning formula. Insider calls are powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download your BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And on the other side of the break, it's time to give some kudos to a certain governor in Utah. Talk with Travis Yost, we just had Adrian. I mean, I mostly talked, but you introduced it was a hell of an intro.
4: Lindsay, it you was set Im- us up
3: for success, my friend.
4: Thank you. And it was an important well, conversation. You. And I'm just glad that we had it on the program to get the insight that our Golden Knights fans need.
3: Absolutely. Uh if you missed any portion of that, we will have that podcastable on the playmaker feed as part of like the larger show. And then we'll also put it on the nightcap feed uh, just to make sure that we filter things correctly. And uh, put things where they need to be. And uh, yesterday we, we spent a, a good majority of our, our time really with with self-reflection. And sometimes when you look in the reflection, you don't like what you see because you're not doing something right or maybe the, the mirror is dirty and you haven't cleaned it. Sometimes you have to look for inspiration in places that you normally wouldn't. And we're here to push some pee today on our program. Oh, God. And so Let's go. where I went to push some pee today is the governorship of Utah. That's right. Republican governor, Spencer Cox. I need to talk about him. And a, I think a really important thing that he did today, he was uh, basically going through a bunch of laws that are going uh, up to be ratified to be signed off on by him. Cause that's what the, the president of the state. That's what the governor is. But he chose to veto uh, HB 11, which pertained to student eligibility in interscholastic activities and specifically transgender athletes. And I'm not going to read his entire uh, letter that he sent to kind of give an explanation of, of why this ruling uh, is being made, why he's vetoing it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little excerpt because there are a lot of people, a lot of hate going towards members of the LGBTQ plus community right now and specifically the trans community and as an ally as a friend as a program that is equal opportunity as much as we can make it we're always trying to get better uh to see this i i think offers a little bit of, of hope for for people uh and i'm gonna read directly from governor spencer cox's statement here finally there is one more important reason for this veto i must admit i am not an expert on transgenderism I struggle to understand so much of it, and the science is conflicting. When in doubt, however, I always try to err on the side of kindness, mercy, and compassion. I also try to get approximate, and I am learning so much from our transgender community. They're great kids who face enormous struggles. Here are the numbers that have most impacted my decision. seventy-five thousand four one eighty-six and 56. 75,000 high school kids participating in high school sports in Utah. Four transgender kids playing high school sports in Utah one transgender student playing girls sports 86% of trans youth reporting suicidality 56% of trans youth having attempted suicide four kids and only one of them playing girls sports that's what all of this is about four kids who aren't dominating or winning trophies or taking scholarships four kids who are just trying to find some friends and feel like they're part of something four kids trying to get through each day really has so much fear and anger been directed at so few I don't understand what they're going through or why they feel the way they do, but I want them to live. And all the research shows that even a little acceptance and connection can reduce suicidality significantly. For that reason, as much as any other, I have taken this action in hope that we can continue to work together and find a better way. If a veto override occurs, I hope that we can work to find ways to show these four kids that we love them and that they have a place in our state.
4: Absolutely fantastic. I, Very surprising statement. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Good for him. Uh, a sign of leadership, right? Uh, it's something that needs to be said. I'm glad you read all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a portion just, of it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic.
3: Because their people's lives and, and how they view themselves in the world are more important than sports results. Are more important than achievements. And that's why all the vitriol, I I don't understand it. I can understand dialogue. I can understand debate about it. I can understand how people can feel a little bit conflicted about it. But ultimately, in the spirit of what sports are supposed to be and just humanity, there shouldn't be this much anything. There shouldn't be this much hatred. And so I'm glad that Governor Cox took a stand. It's very uh, against his party line. Not making a judgment there. but um. You know it, it's important, and like you said, it, I want them to live. That's what this is about. So if that means we we let them play sports, awesome. Because guess what? Those teams are better are better for it too. Exposure is everything. Acceptance is everything. That starts from day one. And in that's the only ropes. way you learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Is getting to experience it and getting to talk. Absolutely. Different viewpoints and just different standpoints on on everything in life. All different types of perspectives. Um, Just because
3: you're different doesn't mean you shouldn't have the ability to participate in activities like this. Yeah, man,
4: it's about everybody getting a chance to to play. And, well, most of the people in the world are now collegiate swimming experts with what's going on.
3: Not everybody goes and plays college sports. Some people just want to go there for the social things. Some people just want to be there to have something to do after school because, you know what, there's about a million other things that can lead to much more insidious avenues. Yeah, 100%. Let's, let's let's argue, let's fight about things that, that truly deserve it, and let's try to support people better like Governor Cox did. Uh, nothing but kudos and credence to him. We have a heck of a second hour on the horizon just a few moments away. Our conversation with Trista Crick, in addition to dislodging some diamonds, at least at the wide receiver position, all that, and a bag of chips on the other side of the break. The Playmakers, eleven forty to the bet.